Hello, and welcome to Suture Sidewatch, episode 21. I'm your host, Cameron Shustar, and with me hosting is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. And we're not alone this time. We are joined by the one and only actual Suture Side Talk co-host, James Seelig. Hello. Yeah, my brain did like a weird flip when you said side watch (laughs) instead of side talk, because I'm so used to hearing you say side talk that I was just like, wait, oh yeah, different show. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's just a watch and a talk away from everything. Um, I'm so hyped to have you on, and it's it's kind of Thank funny you. because we, this is like your channel, and I kind of invaded with the show. So I'm just like, hey, James, go hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but for a beautiful and magical and astonishing reason, I can't believe we've been waiting so long for this film. And that's, this is, again, what started the show was talk about James Bond and No Time to Die. Gentlemen, this is going to be a What year did that one come episode. out? What? That one came out how many years ago? Which one is this in all the Bond movies? Because we've been doing all the old Bond movies. This is an old one too, right? This is this should still be in theaters, Cameron. Everyone's excited. Oh <laughs> my France. god, it's right now. It's, now. it's the new the present Bond. just came out. Hot off yeah. the presses. It is this is a spoiler filled episode. I'm not gonna hold anything back. I don't care. Like if you guys haven't seen this Bond movie and you're listening to this, either listen to this to get hyped or and spoiled. Or just don't listen to it. Go watch that. Go yeah, see no time to listen. Yeah. No time to listen <laughs> yeah. right here. Go, go listen and then, I mean, go watch and then come listen. Movie is an hour and 43, uh, two hours and 43 minutes. And I'm going to say it did not feel like it. At I all. wanted no. more. I got I worried. like, that's it? Like, uh, while we were on our way to the theater, Cameron said that this is the longest James Bond movie. Yes. If not, I, I think the longest. And so I got worried that like, oh, no. I got to pace myself with my drinks and stuff. I, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. But yeah, like you said, it, it flew by. It was good. Like I was entertained the entire time. And you know what? This is, I've been reading the books. I don't know if you know this, James, but I've been reading every James Bond book. When The ones that are based on the films, like that are written by the original guy, Ian Flemings. And so to me, to me, this was the first Bond movie that was like Ian Fleming's james bond this entire daniel craig like little saga that we got here this is so ian fleming bond a hundred percent we have a character that's like broken that's hurting that's lost that's kind of like going through the motions but he's a super secret spy and he kicks ass and whatnot you know (laughs) but it's not that sean connery pierce brosman stuff like it's that's cool that's the bond we all kind of grew up and knew but like we're getting a real definitive version like an emotional um flawed bond and this was the first time out of the entire how many years has it been since the first bond movie i don't know common might know off the top of his head actually uh, i gotta look that up right. oh, the very first one or the Daniel Craig 1962 so that is what 60 59 years i want to say yeah about 60 years and we're i don't know this is like all these films there's dozens of films whatever 20 something i want to say and this is the first time we've gotten like a story like one full story start to end this they created this bond and they ended this bond spoilers (laughs) spoilers <laughs> but i mean i thought that was wonderful i i think it's finally you guys did something that made sense because one of the biggest things we've talked about here sorry my dog's playing with a squeaky toy uh one of the biggest things we talk about is 
the continuity between bonds and you know we try to unravel that through various episodes of you know, is the Sean Connery bond supposed to be this? Is it like just the code name or is I it a person? To think about it. Yeah. It's a big, like it's worse than the DCU when it comes to it's like, like all the timeline. They, they all happen, but it doesn't, you don't need to know when. I guess. It, yeah. It, it doesn't help that when we do it, we're doing like the first of each bond. So we're kind of like skipping like five or six movies and we go next time. <laughs> yeah. And I've been reading the books out of that order too. But I could actually string a storyline throughout the books. Like, even though I'm reading them out of order in the order that we're doing the show, I could still see, like, the fluid, like, oh, the ramifications from this book. I'm now seeing it way over here. And I was like, oh, but this is before this, so this isn't hurting him yet. Stuff like that. Mm. Like, um, I mean, Felix dies in the book. I'm not dies. He gets his ass kicked in the book to the point where uh, I want to say, what, would, what did we do? Live and let die, comrade? Live and Let Die was the, uh, yeah, the voodoo one. Yeah, that he goes into like a shark pit and gets his like leg and arm ripped off and he has like a oh robot arm and leg for the rest of the series. Yeah. And Felix in this one. Robot what? arm and leg is but a flesh wound. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but Felix in this one had a beautiful send away. Like it was, it hurt. That was the whole thing it about did. this. Bond yeah. Movie. It hurt. Like it hurt in a good way. It just, it was emotional. What was you, I don't know both of you how James how big of a Bond fan are you tell me let's get some Bond history and so I would classify myself as like a medium James Bond fan like I always enjoy the movies but I don't believe I've watched all of them especially not the older ones like I don't think I've seen any of the Roger Moore ones personally uh, me my favorites are all the Sean Connery ones but. And uh, I saw the Pierce Brosnan ones because they came out like when I was a kid. Yeah. Those were ours. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I guess it's mostly just the Roger Moore ones that I've I missed. And then same. Comron told me about the, there was like one movie where there was one James Bond who was only in one movie. Yeah. Yeah. George Lesson being on Our Majesty's Secret Service. And then there's yeah. also Timothy Dalton for uh, uh, the Living Daylights and not Living Daylights. Um, no. Yeah. I thought it was. Was it Living Daylights? Yeah. Living Daylights. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. View, uh, I was thinking of a View to Kill. Yeah, that's Roger Moore. But yeah, Living Daylights and License to Kill. There you go. Dalton. Yeah, and yeah. for the Daniel Craig ones, they've been kind of like hit or miss for me. Uh, like I liked Casino Royale, but it it wasn't amazing for me. I don't know why. It just didn't. It wasn't. It didn't click with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta be honest. I actually missed uh, Casino Royale. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, the next one, Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. There you go. That's uh, the most missable one, even even though it does still. Tie, and that's it, the, it sort of ties in everything. That's yeah. the thing. Like everyone that saw it told me that it's like it's good, but it's not like a must see or whatever. So I just never got around to seeing it. Uh, I did see Skyfall though, and I really liked that one. Nice, yeah. Skyfall is yeah. a good one. Oh man. Nice. Uh, and I just watched Spectre like a week ago before oh, cool. uh, No Time to Die came out. Ah, right, good timing um, on that one. So yeah, I guess overall I would classify myself classify myself as I like the series, but I haven't gone out of my way to watch all of them, I guess. Yeah, no, there I mean there's a lot. There's so many. Like I haven't yeah. that that was a big reason why we did this show was just like we want to watch all the Bond films. And you know, I'm familiar with some Sean Connery. Uh, Roger Moore was pretty blank on George Lazenby, Timothy Dalton. I've seen the Pierce Brosnan's just like you said, we were growing up with that. And yeah. Daniel Craig has been kind of my staple point bond because I guess I saw it like at the right stage and the right moment in my life 
where I was just like, oh, fuck, this is what I want to be. Like, this is the Bond that's like, this is dope. You know, like I loved his appearance, his persona. He's why I drink Heineken. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no martinis for this man. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Uh, but he's he's the one that I kind of like resonated with the most. And so you're pretty much on the same par level. I, I just love the character, okay. you know, and some of the comics and whatnot. The books have, though, given you a good uh, advantage, I would say, in terms of knowledge. Because I still haven't done that yet, even though I've watched every single Bond film. Mm-hmm. But it's been a while since I've watched every single one. And it's been fun rewatching them, especially paying more attention to detail now. Uh, it's been quite, quite, quite something, to say the least. Yeah, we really tried to devote it. We tried to really devote ourselves once we got into it. Like, if we're going to do our research, we're going to do our research. And that's why I think, you know, after reading, I've only read a handful of them for the episodes we've done that are based on films. And four? Four, maybe? five, maybe? Four or five. Because I know a couple of them weren't books. And like, we had exited the book oh, area. One was like a short story. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's yeah. It, yeah. Was. it was like a yeah. 30 page short. But this is the one where I'm saying, like, you you see a totally different character. You don't see, like, this sex-crazed uh, guy running around <laughs> banging a chick every other chapter, you know, yeah. or having him in line and whatnot. That's not really the bond I've seen so far. And, you know, from the characters from Casino Royale, that's super accurate to the book, to the T. And even his relationship with Felix, that's very consistent throughout the series. All sorts of things. And... Just the way, you know, Ian Fleming never really gave Bond a finale, but I felt like this was an appropriate way to wrap it up, like ending this character and seeing this giant journey he's gone on and seeing him struggle and overcome and face all those things, but also get him ripped away from him in the most brutal way. Like, that was so sad. And I think that's the biggest review I've heard from people. It's just like, I'm still sad from this film. And that's beautiful. Like, oh, my God. You walk from away for a... me, like the way they ended Bond in this movie. Like, I first off, I did not see that coming, mm-hmm. but also the way they did it, it's like you're a little bit sad, but it's also not a disappointing ending. It's it's satisfying. Yes, so it's, it's, it doesn't like, feel bad. Sad, I guess. It's kind of in terms of like it's it's good. Sad in terms of quality. It's like uh, bitter when you think about The Last of Us Part Two, mm-hmm. where that game is fantastic. You're leaving it pretty depressed, though. Uh, not to say that this is like completely depressing. It does have like good qualities to it, where you're, afterwards there's some sunshine at the end of like the dark tunnel and stuff. But it still leaves you just like fuck. Yeah. Like even if, if five movies and Casino Royale came out what 2006. Yeah. That's what 15 years. Did you notice on Vesper's grave that it said till 2006 too? I thought that was an awesome little nice thing to good. do. Which tells you exactly that it's like, it is the time, like it's our time, like that whole thing. And there are time jumps in James Bond, at least like mm-hmm. we know, like at least Casino and Quantum are pretty much back to back, but between Quantum and Skyfall, there's a distance between Skyfall and Spectre. There's a distance between Spectre and uh, No Time to Die. There is a five year <laughs> sort of like yeah. time and jump. You and you're like, oh, fuck this film too. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that was something to say the least. Um, but it's also the twenty fifth Bond film. This is twenty five here, and just to lay it out, before this we've done what five so far. So we're a, a fifth of the way through, oh, wow, I guess yeah. technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we got two technically. Well, actually, no, we have like three or four more for the ra- remainder of this year. 
but uh, two of them are like the same title. We'll, oh, yeah, we'll get to that at the end. House. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then From Russia with Love will be our New Year's special. But um, it, it's crazy that you look kind of back from these 25 movies, or I guess before this, the first 20 movies are all sort of technically one guy, give or take. You're kind of assuming like, Sean Connery turned into George Lazenby, then he turned back to Sean Connery, and then he turned into Roger Moore, then Timothy Dalton, and then Pierce Brosnan. And you think, oh, how's it end? Well, Pierce Brosnan has sex with Halle Berry, and they have a bunch of diamonds in their house, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, I guess that's the end of Bond. But it restarts here with Daniel Craig, and from start to finish, you know, it's it's kind of funny we're doing this here because like next month then we're actually hitting Craig's first film yeah. of Casino Royale. The timing and is we're cool. Yeah, and we're kind of jumping ahead of it. So we'll try not to, I guess, do too much of that so we don't like take away from those movies. But focusing in on this, like, I guess for one, uh, it was, I believe, directed by someone that hasn't really directed any Bond movies before, but Carrie Joji Fukunaga. Uh, who is actually James? You're gonna like this from Oakland, California. Oh wow! Huh. Yeah, and uh, and <laughs> July 10th, 1977. So he was like three days after me in terms of birthdays. That's that's actually kind of interesting to say the least. But uh, this was his only Bond film. He didn't really uh, work on the other ones. This is one that he just jumped in for this one. Whereas like you know. Sam Mendes, I believe, did Skyfall, and I think it's been kind of a a mixed match of directors for these Craig movies, right? There hasn't really been a stable one. Exactly. And, well, and also, um, there hasn't been. But this is like this guy's fifth film he's ever directed. And he has this like giant helm of a Bond film, and he pulled this thing off so well. Like this, I don't even recognize his filmography. Chinatown Film Project, uh, Sin, Nom- Sin Nombre, uh, Jane Eyre, Beast of the Nation, Beast of No Nation. It he wrote uh, in 2017, and then he directed this one. So that's kind of insane to just toss like this big of a film his direction as well. Is Beast of No Nation the Idris Elba movie? It's no, no, it's not. Okay. Oh, it is. It is. It is. My bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew yeah. it. I was like, that sounds so familiar. Totally for- yeah, like. Now that you say it, it, that does sound familiar, but I had completely forgotten about that movie. That's I have yet to impressive. see it, but I heard good things about it, whether or not, like, good in terms of the quality. I could be wrong. I'll put but. Idris Elba in a movie, and I'll probably watch it someday. Yeah, yeah, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah. It can't be that bad, then. <laughs> yeah. And it has a it has a pretty much, like, a four, a four-person script written. Like, the script was done by like four people. It was uh, uh, Fukunaga, Fukunaga himself. And then Robert Wade and Neil Purvis, which I believe Neil Purvis has been the one that's done a bunch of the Bond. Like, we've talked about him before. He's done multiple Bond movies looking through. Uh, he's done at least a bunch of the Craig ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yes. Who, you know, this was. I think this is the first time she wrote for a Bond film. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she was in Solo and Fleabag and stuff. I and she's going to be Fleabag. in... And that yeah, and she's amazing. gonna be in Indiana Jones. Yes. So it's like it's interesting that she's like doing everything. I, she's not just acting; she's also writing. I adore her so much. Fleabag was an insane and amazing show. I feel like episode two, season two, is one of the best episodes of television ever. Um, I, I she kicks ass, and you know what? There's parts in the movie where you're watching it, 
And you're just like, this is fucking Phoebe Waterbridge right now. You know, this is her scene. I feel like if I was going to call it out, the whole character Paloma and Ade Armas, she um, not only gorgeous as hell, and my fiance. Yeah, knew, my God, stunning. Oh my and I, gosh, I, uh, dips. Sorry. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> my my uh, fiance was like watching me with my mouth open, and she's like, <laughs> "We're not be watching this." Like, but <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, she's gorgeous, and she kicks ass. Her whole entire scene, her entire character. I wish we had more. I want a spinoff show with her, and not only just because she was like gorgeous, but she was fucking dope. <laughs> she just, well, that's. That was the big thing they were talking about. Actually, I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was a Bond podcast, mm. a limited run Bond podcast that was created for this movie. And it's like five or six episodes. They go through everything from the cars, the music, oh, wow. uh, the supporting characters and everything else. And one thing they kept emphasizing was, you know, we're making this very female heavy. They also confirmed like, yeah, Bond will never be a woman. Like, that's not how it's going to work. And that's being said by uh, one of the people that is in charge of it. I forget what her name is, but it is woman too. But... They're like, that doesn't mean we don't want this to still have female empowerment in it. And you get that with Nomi and Paloma and even to a lesser extent, like Madeline still like here and there. But Paloma, holy shit, she does so well. And Anna de Armas, I've been, you know, I've been paying attention to say the least for multiple reasons, of course. But uh, I've seen her in a bunch of things now, like Knives Out. She starred in that was fantastic. Oh, she that's was in. Gosh, I didn't she's even think in about that. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. She is Ryan Gosling's fake hologram oh, wife. Yes. What? Oh, yes. Wow. So she she's in some other stuff. I can't remember what else, but like just two examples right there of her roles. And like you actually care, and then like she disappears, and you're like, no, they killed the hologram. Oh, it's a hologram. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh, you know, another another thing there is like. Her and Craig have worked together in Knives Out, and it's interesting oh, yeah. seeing her carry over to this as well. And I'm like, did I can't remember if they said it or not. If like Craig was like, oh hey, you know, it'd be great for this because like I guess they worked well together yeah. and stuff. And even though there'll be a Knives Out too, I think only Craig is returning for because it it'll be like a new cast. Mm-hmm. It was still like really fun to see that happen. And she is, I believe, actually Cuban. So it was really cool seeing her as like a Cuban agent mm-hmm. when they're over there. And, you know, all the stuff she pulls combat wise is fucking awesome. The whole time I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, God, they're going to kill her. She's going to be bad. They're going to do something. And it just ends happily. And I'm like, oh, thank God. OK, yeah, I was yeah. I was she awesome. had one of the coolest moves in the movie where she like takes down three dudes at once. And like the way she ends the fight, she like falls down to the floor, grabs the gun that was like down there and then like really quick fires three shots perfectly at all the guys she just knocked down on the ground and like ends them i was still staying prone yeah and i was just like damn holy shit she did all that in a dress well what's cool is that she uh trained for all of that too and that is not like a stunt double or anything that's like her doing those moves her performing that and i respect the hell out of that because like it shows there is like if you watch the their instagram the double seven one it shows her training sequence and then her filming it and I was like, God damn, even that like kick where she's like in heels and just like up kicks that dude in the face. Dude, was, that looked hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I, don't know, I just dug her whole vibe when her and Bond go to the bar and they both slam a drink and then they get their stuff and just keep she on She slams going. hers harder because she's like nervous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That way, the first one. I was like, I was talking about the second one. In the <laughs> Three weeks fight. out yeah. of school. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, both times they were. It was just cool. You just understood her like she could be 
like she had that Bond feel, but not as serious. She had, she did have like I guess that Americanized Bond feel, I guess. But damn, with still an accent, of course, too, mm-hmm. a little bit. And did you notice too? Like I guess like in terms of expression and emotion, she looking through and trying to remember at least all the different Bond girls or like women on Bond on, in the Bond films. I don't think there's any that are even like close to that weird like nervous. And even like the ones that are like field agents that come in or like office agents that come in to help Bond or something. And he's like, oh, you're here for me. Let me just take you to my room. And they're like, no, Bond, I don't do that. And all that stuff. Like, they're always a specific way. And none of them really have that, I don't know, that expression Mm -hmm. that she did. And it was very, very unique, I would say. Uh, Even also for Nomi, like Nomi was very unique too, where she's just like, well, one well, she's nervous the for new different 007. reasons. Yeah, and she's like, "Wait, what number did he get? What number <laughs> did he get?" <laughs> yeah, the the female characters, Nomi and uh, Paloma, uh, Paloma uh, especially, they both had really distinct personalities that you didn't need a lot of it, but you understood it right away, and it's, yes, it sold you right away. And also, that's a, another cool part that's very unique is not only having two of these characters, but neither one of them died. And in every Bond film, we all know the first girl you see him pair up with and then hook up with and then work with, she dies on that mission. And then he goes for the evil girl right after that. And that's like the, the standard Bond formula every single film we've seen up to this point. But this one is just like, you know, Bond did not try to bang any of these women. Like he it's just not him it's just he's too he has too much going on in his head he's too hurt he's loved too many times and like genuinely loved and been hurt and it's just like okay like you're not gonna try to sleep with each one of these women and like do the whole sean connery thing where you're holding them and groping them and so where they can't move where it gets like creepy and uncomfortable watching for a minute and i thought that was wonderful fuck what my did my cat do i just heard something fall oh, i was watching your dog like <laughs> literally get confused under a blanket but <laughs> yeah that was weird anyways uh but yeah i i just think that there's so much so many things going on with this little formula that worked out so well you got over so many bond tropes at once with having these characters in there and the way they acted the way they behaved the way they acted with bond and their relationship as a whole i mean bond gave uh night what's her name naomi naomi uh nomi 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 uh he gave her like his wife and daughter and sent them off and he trusted her to do that like those are just not bond things you would ever ever see bond having a child you would never see like they crossed so many lines on this film and pulled it off pretty well you know despite anything oh yeah i've heard actually so uh actually i'll save it for later i'll save it for later because just talking about bond himself i feel like we can that's its own like topic of discussion Mm -hmm. but uh i guess to continue for now for these side characters like uh one thing i really did enjoy was that nomi didn't even feel like uh like whereas i guess they're very standalone like they don't necessarily feel on they don't feel like add-ons to bond they feel like they could just do their own thing and you could somewhat visualize yeah you can visualize oh Paloma on her own mission doing some shit oh, or yeah. Nomi on her own mission doing some shit yep. potentially like I would like I agree I'd love to see like some them continue in another form practically just to see more but uh the other characters like we we got through the cool thing about this was everyone recurs throughout this entire five film or some less than others like most actually showed up in Skyfall but Money Penny Q 
M are all and Tanner. Tanner actually has been there since Casino Royale. Yeah. He's been <laughs> in all five. Whereas the other three appeared in Skyfall, Spectre, and then in No Time to Die. But they all pretty much stayed par for the course, which is really great. And it was actually another thing with the female characters too, with Money Penny. Like she isn't like the whole Money Penny version that you get in all the previous Bond movies with the other characters where every single time is, why don't you take me out to dinner, Bond? When are we going to go out? When are we going to do something? And in this one, she's like doing her own thing and it it just works as well there. There's no weird like constant office flirtation, I guess you could say. Well, oh, and I think that's why I mixed up her name because that Miss Money Penny, her, the actress's name is Naomi. Eve. Oh, Naomi Harris. Uh, and so I was thinking, oh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Nomi and Naomi. And I was like, which one is it? But okay. Uh, well, also, it's kind of funny. We just saw no- uh, Noemi Harris twice in one weekend, too. I don't know. For all, for all of you who watched Carnage and James Bond this weekend, got a double oh. dose. She shriek. I didn't notice that with like the the weird eye and like the different hairstyle right? and everything. Right? Yeah. It's one of those things where you're just like, damn, this is. I didn't even look at. I <laughs> You know, I I saw Carnage twice. Uh, I saw Carnage and then Bond, and then I rewatched Carnage and then Bond. And it wasn't until the second time I saw Bond where my friend Eric was like, "Dude, that's uh, it's this uh, Naomi Harris. It's the same girl we just saw in Carnage." And I was like, "Oh yeah, oh wait, what?" Like <laughs> she's having a great week or a great month, I guess right? you could say. She's yeah. just like, "Oh boy, it's like it's it's like what we were gonna get with Keanu Reeves when Matrix and." John Wick were supposed to come out on the same day. <laughs> yep, there you go. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, you know, these supporting characters, they they were so, you know, we had the same cue for all all the Bond movies before this. It was the same guy, and I love that dude to death. What's sad, because he did die, so I did love him till death. Uh, but my God, my cat just like ramped up a chair and almost attacked me. Um, but having this cue, Ben Withshaw, that dude is just awesome and like I'm sold on him and if they ever if they do decide to continue this bond franchise and keep some of these characters like maybe M or Q and Money Penny and just kind of change some stuff up keep all the side characters yeah I keep guess, the side yeah. ones and just change the main guy up I think that would be pretty interesting because he was a great Q he was humorous he was amusing he uh you know changed I guess they did insinuate that he is dating a guy in the film right Yes. Yes, yeah. they do insinuate that he's gay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're doing, like, again, this whole, it's so modern. I guess that's the thing, too. I don't know. Maybe maybe these other Bond movies felt modern or maybe a little futuristic high tech when they were out. But I feel like they just, they're, they all became so dated so fast. Well, definitely the Brosnan movies, I feel like they le- uh, leaned really heavily into, like, Q giving him a bunch of crazy gadgets and shit. Here's a laser, and here's yeah. a laser, yeah. and then he, this is an exploding. Here's laser. a ring that can shatter glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because you look at all the Bond movies as Q came through, mm-hmm. and there's all these crazy things you would give him, and then you get to the Craig movies. Well, like I said, you don't get Q till Skyfall until the, like the latter he three. He feels like yeah. more of an analyst than anything. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Would you expect like all this other stuff?" And yeah. it, it's it's funny because when you're thinking about it all the spy stuff they have in the previous movies, it feels like you're getting some weird future glimpse or something. They're like, yeah. this stuff is developed in secret and maybe one day you'll get it like in the real world. Whereas now everyone feels like they know better because all those, all those movies that had the future in it have all now hit that mark where the actual future year date has occurred. 
So now everyone's like, well, where's the flying cars that you talked <laughs> about in the film? Where's the hover fucking shoes and shit? This is all pre-Apple, so, basically. <laughs> yeah. You see, so now you're like- mess with the timeline too much. That's why we don't have that stuff now. Exactly. No Blade Runner or Back to the Future will fix anything. <laughs> so it's like now- you don't necessarily maybe want to do that because everyone's already at that point where like, nice try, motherfucker. We're not falling for that shit again. So it's like, yo, just keep it to exploding watch and if, like the little radio messenger stuff like that. Like it's it's so much. I mean, the uh, most high tech thing in this movie was still something that made well, except for maybe his watch that being an EMP thing. But I, I was thinking like it still made sense. The glider type thing oh yeah that, that also could turn into a submarine thing. and like they show you how the wings like fold up and stuff and it's like that's definitely high tech but it also it's like believable yes. yes that we would have something like that today you know what's funny that whole it's cool that you brought up that scene i would have totally forgot to bring this up but that glider i want to also say is in dr no and the way he dives into the island uh, well in the book at least the book is very different i have to say we he he gets to the island via boat um correctly i could be kind of i'm pretty sure that's how i think he does the plane if it's the book yeah because i'm I'm remembering in the movie it wasn't i gotta make i gotta go back to that chapter and find it but read the whole thing again that entire entrance to like the island and the island itself it all felt very dr no and there was a bunch of callbacks to stuff like that. Because even when he retired, after the five-year gap in the very beginning, he goes back to Jamaica. And Jamaica is a prominent Bond location in almost every book. And that's where Ian Fleming wrote most of the books. It was his Jamaican you know, getaway house. But no, I'm glad you, you mentioned that scene. Because that whole entire glider thing, I was like, this is all very like deja vu. <laughs> like I think I've seen all this before. Um, but my bad. Go on with the parts. <laughs> I know, yeah, they, they do actually, in the podcast, they talk about how, like, Jamaica is, for, like, for all intents and purposes, more than Britain, Bond's mm-hmm. home. Yeah. And uh-huh. that's, that's, that was one of the things they said why they wanted to include it when they uh, made that his five-year retirement home where he kind of, it looked like he gained a little bit of weight and just kind of didn't care about anything anymore, which um, I was actually counting it up in my head, so I believe uh, Casino Royale had two women. Quantum had two women. Skyfall had more or less like one or two, if you count the one where he was like, uh, when he recovers after being shot, he's in like some weird hut with some woman that you never actually see. It's like a silhouette. Yeah. Uh, Spectre has two. So like fr- pretty much each one has two more or less, and in each one, at least one of them does die, and actually casino both die (laughs) so yeah uh for more or less majority die with when it comes to craig's bond and then uh this movie is the only one where that's not the case where literally every single female character survives except for the specter ones actually you're totally (laughs) you're totally right about that it's very again you know, changing the Bond formula like crazy, dude. This this film was just not your typical Bond film. Like when you look back at, because I'm sure people are going to criticize it. I'm sure people are going to put. I haven't read any reviews or negative reviews. Positive. Some people reviews. walked out. Really? Yeah, I heard uh, the for the ending that scene at the end. I think you know what I'm talking about. People yeah. walked out when that occurred. Really? Because really? it was unfathomable, I guess, for a lot of people that that could occur with Bob. I mean, I was definitely shocked, but I, like I said earlier, it's just like, you know, this this ending, it makes sense. It, I'm yeah. not upset by it. 
It's yeah. sad, but I get it. Yeah, exactly. I will, I will dive into it like uh, in a bit. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's that's kind of crazy. I don't know. I, it's again that acceptance meter um, of what you're. I guess what you could tolerate when they change up characters, you know. And that's what they're doing. I mean, that's what they always do. And there's always pushback, you know. Batman didn't used to be a dark, you know, extremely scary, you know, kind of bitter character. He was very bright and poppy for a very long time in comics and film and then they changed that up and it was the best thing ever i feel like when they give like emotions to characters like this and you know more flaws and not being that just like stereotypical i guess just pretty boy banging all the girls getting all the gadgets getting all the guns saving the day like that's what they expect and want but i don't know then emo music came out and we all saw <laughs> We all saw the light and feelings and emotions. I think it's also tragedy has been a really big part of mm-hmm. these five films. Oh, where yeah. That's been the biggest reinforcement for making Craig like the bond uh-huh. in, in terms of that. Where, yeah, like as you keep describing the way he the bond is in books and how it matches so perfectly, but how he feels more like uh, you could see the between you could see under the armor. Yes. Yeah. Well, like yeah. one of the major things in the beginning of the movie is that like you can see that he definitely has trouble trusting people because like he starts this movie actually happy. Like he's with a woman he loves, like he's out of, you know, being a, a secret agent, at least for now. Yeah. And then like she takes him or she has him go to like a grave of like, the, uh, uh, what was her name? Vespa? Vesper Lynn, yeah. who's yeah. from Casino Royale. And to kind of like finally have some closure and say goodbye. And like he gets attacked while he's there. So immediately he just goes to like, oh, my God, I can't even trust this woman that I'm supposed to love or whatever because she just sent me to what could have been my death. Yeah. So he doesn't trust her. He sends her away and he just like disappears to Cuba for like what, a year? No, he goes to Jamaica. It was like uh, Jamaica for like five years or something like that. Yeah. And yeah, like, and after that, it's like, clearly he has trust issues. And I love that about him. And I think that's like the coolest part. You see like the ramifications of the last like 20 years of this Bond's life, 15 mm-hmm. years of this Bond's life and why he's so cold and paranoid. And, you know, I, like we were saying the intro, the entire time she's even teasing him for like looking over his shoulder the whole time yeah. and kind of just like paying attention and looking around. And he seems so at peace, but he's still like, he still has that secret agent like hidden inside of him. She was like begging him to believe her that she wouldn't do anything like that. And he's, he's just like, no, I can't, I can't trust you. I'm, I, I can't. Not going to do that again. Yeah. Especially cause the whole thing is there is four films of him just trying to get over Vesper. And this is like, okay, we're finally going to get through it. Like the armor is coming back down for the first time since the first movie where that occurs. And then the bomb goes off and everything goes right back up. And it's like all that progress made in four movies is gone immediately, yeah. which is insane. Yeah, I I know. I, w- I wish I could have rewatched some of the movies before this one because I kind of forgot about what's your face and him dating. Yeah, um, I I got to be honest. I did not remember who that grave was for. <laughs> oh, not even, yeah. not even Vesp- Vesper's the one I remembered, but the blonde girl, I, I did totally... Oh, Madeline. Madeline. I just totally spaced out her character. She just, I guess, didn't stand out to me enough in the last round. I really don't remember her storyline. And I feel like I watched all the Bond films like a year ago, too. 
Like I, I remember uh, just because, well, I, I I was just able to remember, but also like she's in Death Stranding and stuff. So I, I noticed that she's fragile. Oh, yeah, fragile. Um, and for it, like rewatching it too made it even better because the whole thing of like, it's it's actually hilarious that I, I thought of something in my head and then they do it in the movie. But she's the daughter of uh, Dr. White or Mr. White, who's the pale king. And that villain specifically is in every single Bond film ex- or in three out of five of the Daniel Craig films. He's in Casino Royale. He's in Quantum of Solace. He's not in Skyfall, but he's also in Spectre. And Spectre is where he exits and she enters. And you learn about like her being his daughter and everything else. And you even get more backstory to her in the beginning. Like it's an interesting prologue where you're like, we've never had, we've two things. We've never had a prologue in a Bond movie before, a flashback sequence. Yeah. And the other is it's never been solely about a female character in a Bond movie ever like that or that perspective ever. Well, that's very true too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's showing her young growing up kind of what it was like because she describes it in Spectre a bit without going into it. But you get a glimpse of like, oh, this is why she's where she's at when Bond finds her in Spectre. And you kind of see how they form a type of relationship in it and why he leaves with her and then gets to this film. And that whole thing was like the Pale King was a very large part of Spectre. He was a big player until he wasn't. And that whole thing when Blofeld uses that against Bond and call it like in the theater, I was thinking and I'm like, it's so it's like so poetic. It's like the daughter of Spectre and Bond. And then in the movie, they go, daughter, she's a daughter of Spectre. And I'm like, oh, oh, it was in my head. It was in my head. I heard it in my head. They said it in the movie. I lost my shit. But it's so cool that they do that where I think, because, you know, these five films is all Spectre. Yeah, which is really and cool. I, I, I think that's another thing they did well in completing is just doing a whole sequence with one primary uh, group and one gang, which yeah. you did. You you kind of bounce around Spectre in the other Bond films. Like it's like ooh in the background, and then ooh. It's like it's all through Sean Connery's Bond, and then ends with George Lazenby's Bond mm, for Spectre. Right. Yeah, and it's very interesting that they do that, and it's a lot different, of course. You know, you go and compare, and you're gonna be like, yeah, Doctor No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, fucking <laughs> like Thunderball and Honor, Majesty's Secret Service versus these ones vastly different and it like ends with the heartbreak in honor like we've talked about this before and i think this is i guess the best time as any to talk about it which brandon did you notice what they did in this movie and what they referred to and what they they kept going back to no but they were very heavy ties specifically to on her majesty's oh Service yeah no film. yeah a lot of a lot of they vibes. played the theme they played the theme in the movie oh, at one point I and i just heard that. it oh my yeah it was gosh. like the dun, 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 oh, and it's like yeah that whole thing was playing but it, they were doing it very like subtly and slowly where it doesn't sound as action-packed it sounds more maybe noble is the word like oh. noble subtle I got to compare the but, two. That's super cool. I did not realize that. That's super awesome. Dude, my eyes wide. My when my ears perked up hearing it, my eyes like went wide, and I'm like, they chose that movie to go back to, and which is very interesting. They chose the only Bond movie where it was a sole Bond, but it's also the only Bond movie 
before Craig that actually showed Bond have some form of relationship with the woman that was beyond just like bang and bounce. Well, yeah, and that was a big reason I was calling back to it. There's like even the highway sequences where they're on the car in the intro yep. and at the ending. Um, and then it being kind of like Bond at his lowest, like his most painful, like where he just hurts because he lost this girl. Um, there was a, there, I, it's funny you said that. It's so true because the first watch I had throughout it, I was like, Majesty Secret Service, Majesty Secret Service. Like there's so many little moments that they pick up from there. Yeah, you're totally right. And then um, I always mess it up. Blowfield? Blowfield? Blowfield. 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 That's yeah. you know it, right. it's <laughs> I forgot. I, forgot. I always like mess it up every episode. <laughs> that was a good um, episode. It, he it's kind of interesting that him and like uh this girl are related to Bond and somehow like it's all connected to this man and that's the interesting like part. It's it's his universe and his world and everything it's all happening kind of become because of him. It's like that Batman uh uh syndrome in Talia that sense. Gould. Yeah, Talia and then you have like race, you know, stuff like that. Like how everything's connected to this one man by like synchronicity somehow, you know, it's a uh, very well woven together. Just, you know, some people kind of like mocked how that was his stepbrother and they tied him together and all this stuff. But dude, it paid off like in this film when they're talking about a, a disease that can kill people who are related to that person. And it's like, Oh, but that's not his real brother. So like he, doesn't he won't die because of it stuff like that like i don't know it, it was really interesting how they did this whole entire little saga uh about the man which is just not done before it's weird it's like such a weird thing yeah. like it, it keeps coming back to that everything in this film everything with this bond franchise is just after what i mean you had what 45 years practically you know 40 yeah about 45 years of the same little formula repeated movie after movie 20 movies in a row and this one just shakes the barriers behind everything. And I think that's why I get so much pushback. Yeah. And it's also, you know, people don't like change sometimes. Yep. They don't like to see different things or their character not well, warped. But yeah. I mean, I remember modified. I remember people losing their mind when they announced that there would be a black female. Uh, oh, yeah. 007. Not, they didn't say James Bond. They said 007. And even that people were like, what? Are, no, you can't do that, though. <laughs> Yeah, James Bond is not a woman, <laughs> and it's. And it, I'm curious about it, what you both think. Like, do you think they should make, or do you think they could, or is that an option on the table to make Bond a woman? No, I. I mean, I don't see why not. Like he, at least personally, I feel like it might be interesting if in like, well, they don't have to literally do it in like 20 years, but like when his daughter is grown maybe she also goes into working for mi6 or whatever oh, oh god there's gonna be so much future stuff again they'll be like this is the future <laughs> and be like, yeah. oh, fuck. you know that's kind of a cool thought too 2040 because like yeah. she could have his she could take his name yeah yeah that Damn. would be interesting that, that, but they, that'd be kind of cool actually that's not a i hadn't thought of that i think that's the only workaround but otherwise it's like what they said before even like the people in charge even with amazon owning bond now technically mm-hmm. uh, or at least like mgm working yeah. on it uh which one they did specify too there won't be bond series it's staying in theaters for film specifically <sighs> i that but, disappoints me i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but <laughs> like they said Bond will be a man. They didn't. The, it made brought into the thing of like, yeah, it's possible we could get someone like Idris Elba as Bond. Even though at this point, I won't lie, like he is older at yeah. at this point too. 
but like it, those are possibilities but he's like a male character and they could do like that's the thing with nomi was i was cool with nomi it's like she wasn't james bond she was 007 yeah that worked yeah i'm good with that like that makes sense uh you can you can do another named character with the still 007 and emphasize on that number if you really yeah. want to yeah I but it just that. depends on kind of how they want to go with it um personally i it, it i guess it just depends uh, it still would be weird it'd be weird just like there's a girl running around being like my name is james bond you're like the fuck jamie okay bond. yeah, yeah. yeah jamie, jamie bond, bond. <laughs> jamie lynn bond <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> um yeah you know i i agree like i don't know if I, I i think james is totally right like if it's his daughter that's that's another level that's like that's smart that's a good approach that's perfect i would actually accept the hell out of that but making like the james bond persona like start off like as a female i just don't think you know like daniel Kirk says there's better characters to you know switch genders for and for you sure know, it i think if they add it onto the universe that's better than just taking that and doing a sex change just to do a sex change like it's not yeah. meant for that character and I don't think you'd want that for that character in general. Like if you read the books and then watch the films, like create a new reputation. Cause the first thing you think of, because we've all been watching these films for 60 years is a woman that's just going to be banging dudes all day and shooting guns and like breaking <laughs> through cars and like doing all this cool spy stuff. And then the guys are going to die and then she might be heartbroken. Probably not. But like, and seeing what, uh, Lazenby did in uh, uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service where he had girls walking in on the nine hour. Yeah, on the hour, nine like nine o'clock. <laughs> oh, my eight o'clock is here. You know, oh like, oh my God. You just like that's already like in our heads and that's how we perceive Bond, you know? And it's, of course, like we keep saying on this episode, like this may have changed everything we know about Bond, but that's still like the Bond, like generic, like assumption in that sense. Also, I, I can... I, it's like one of those things where they always change up certain characters too anyway i consider it lazy uh i oh, consider yeah. it a cash grab too where you're afraid to make something more original and that just stems on creativity and lacking of culture that you can really emphasize on yep. when you could do that uh with new characters but yeah that that's always been my thing no yeah i could totally understand and see that too like that totally makes sense uh i was just curious about your opinion about that because i know that's a big stable point in conversation right now um, but I don't know. Do we have anything more on the side characters on the female character aspect? We've actually spent a good. Just portion. give us a Paloma movie. That's it. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's down. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, so we're kind of down to oh, also real fast, like a two second conversation. This is the dopest M ever. Like I love Homegirl and I'm, I miss her so much. But dude, Dame Judy Dench. Judy Dench mm -hmm. ruled as M, and no one put their foot down like she did. Like that was she also was the only one to cross over. Yeah, because she came in. Uh, I believe she came during Brosnan. I yep. did like there was one little nod to her in this movie when uh, Bond went to go get his like Aston Martin or whatever mm -hmm. in storage. Oh, the, the painting. Oh, the bulldog. The, the little bulldog thing that he's like, I hate that dog. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's cool. <laughs> the, that yeah. is too cool. They also had her portrait up uh, in the office at one point too. Oh, you, yeah. you get to see it. Oh. Uh, but Ralph Fiennes as M, and he's also, which is great, he's going to be in the Kingsman movie yeah. coming out in mm -hmm. next in December, I think. But yeah, he was fantastic, and he appeared. He, he first appeared in Skyfall, so this is this was his third movie. Mm. But yeah, he he was really cool, and the cool thing about him too was like he is able to still do physical work. 
if you watch like the last two Bond movies, you see him still like be active when the time calls for it. Yeah, for sure. And I just finished watching because of our Orlando trip, all the Harry Potters. So it was cool seeing him as Voldemort, and then go see him as him right after that. But hello, um, Harry. <laughs> Um, and then one more time, real fast, just Jeffrey Wright was an astonishing Felix, and I'm glad he came back to wrap up his storyline. Uh, Felix is a, st- a dope, astonishing character that's always helping out Bond, and their relationship is so strong in the books. And I wish it's weird. Him and Blowfield are the two characters in all the Bond movies that are always recasted, it's never the same actor ever. Like it's never the same name with Blofeld either. No, it's not with oh. Blofeld either. Like it's, I can't believe. Like again, we got a consistent. Uh, I mean, we got consistent casting, which is weird. It's it's one universe, but amazing. I, I really like the way he died. Like I couldn't. I mean, that was pure respect, and it was heartbreaking, and it was one of those things you think you're around trusted people, and you're not. And there were so many twists like that that happened throughout the film. Um, but his death was definitely, I, I knew it was going to happen. I just, I felt it, but uh, still shed a tear. Yeah. I, I forget who it was he was talking to at the time, but uh, there was a moment in the movie where Bond says like, I had a brother. His name was Felix. Like, yeah, so they, they talk. They he says another... that to uh, the other, was it the other CIA guy that says that? Oh yeah, that's why cuz he was the, like responsible for Felix's death like literally. So I like I like that they really tried to give you an like an idea of how deeply their relationship meant to Bond even if you aren't like super familiar with all the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Logan well, Ash, that's what his name was. He's like, "Come on, brother." And he's like, "Yeah, that was the whole Dropped a car but, on that guy. Yeah, that dude, was I was that was satisfying. Yeah, I was like, good. Whole, he needs to uh, fucking die. Jurassic Park scene was dope. That's, yeah. <laughs> that was... I will say too, for Blofeld, when he does kick the bucket and you know, but like no one expects it. Tanner doesn't expect it, Bond doesn't expect it, but it's a much more, I guess, what's the word? Humane way for him to die than previously. I mean he definitely seemed to just fall dead. As opposed yes. to everyone else at that party in in uh, Jamaica. No, oh. that was when they were in my face. Yeah, just like, like melting. Indiana Dude, that was style. crazy. Yeah. How yeah. did he Can I die like, in the previous film? So you know how not Fox die. <laughs> oh god. So you know how in Iron Her Majesty's Secret Service, like Tom Savini plays him and he gets away and he has like the neck brace, but he's like, I killed Tracy. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. And we don't see him again until so you know, it's like the end of Spectre for the most part. I can't remember what the two last Connery movies were about, but you know, Roger Moore exits that completely. It's a different game, no more Spectre at all. Timothy Dalton, we'll get to it next year when we get fully into it, but license to kill. Felix gets married. And his wife's like, how come Bond doesn't have, how come Bond's never not married? And he's like, he was once, but she was taken from him. And it shows Bond in a helicopter. He finds Blofeld in a wheelchair and he's like, oh no. (laughs) He somehow, I forget, uses the copter to pick up Blofeld in his wheelchair, picks him up, flies him over a nuclear reactor and just drops him in alive into the nuclear reactor. Damn. If I remember correctly, that's what happened. I just remember watching that and I'm like, oh, oh <laughs> of course, wow. you know, they didn't get Tom Savini to come back for that. Yeah. But it was just hella funny to see that come three bonds, two to three bonds later, technically, 
Mm-hmm. And just like, I want it a good two decades maybe later or a decade and a half, maybe like 15 years or something. I'm not too sure, honestly, how long it was. But yeah, that is very hilarious. different way. Because it's like a weird after Spectre time when you're like, oh yeah, Spectre's been like, nothing was happening with Roger Moore and this is the end of Timothy Dalton. And it's just like, hey, look, that one guy from that movie generations ago, let's fucking <laughs> drop him into a nuclear reactor. It's That's totally ridiculous. cool. And there again, that whole Bond timeline just made no sense. Like, yeah, continent. how would you even follow that at a certain point? Right? It, it, you've had to watch all of them <laughs> back to back when I did. And, you know, even though he had, like, a minor part in this film, I think it was a very great scene. And their, you know, their entire little dialogue part. And he was being truthful. That's the whole thing. He wasn't lying. Um, But they wrapped up that. They were wrapping up their storylines, which I liked, you know. Um, All these characters were finishing off. It's cool because it it reminded you that, oh, Spectre is still really big, considering, like, in the beginning, Mm -hmm. they're chasing him. And the dude's name is Cyclops chasing them. But yeah. there's all these Spectre guys. And then you get to Cuba, and it's pretty much all those people that were at that table in Spectre are in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's up, bitch? Yeah, we're all here a, around you. They're at a birthday party for Blofeld. Yeah. And his present is to kill Bond, and they all look at him, and you're just like, oh, shit. And then they all just start. Dude, I yeah. love that moment where, like, somehow he orchestrated it so that Bond was in, the, like, the center of the room at the exact moment. And, like... They didn't have loudspeakers going. It was just like everyone that was a Spectre agent had earpieces in mm-hmm. and they were listening into Blofeld. And so Bond, had he not like hacked into their frequency, he wouldn't have like heard like that exact moment. I don't know. I just thought it was really cool that like they timed it so well oh. for like to put a spotlight on him. Yes. The second he's like in the exact center of the room and then everything goes wrong dude honestly when the gas came out of the vent i was like how the fuck is he gonna get out of this like he's fucked he's gonna how how like I... <laughs> it was the russian scientist he uh, helped out there <laughs> oh my god like holy yeah russian set we'll talk about him in a second but like yeah that whole nanobot thing was insane where it's like that first batch it's like all these different batches mm-hmm. and that batch was the anti-specter batch where it just was a line for every single Spectre agent, well, it's or like at least all the main he, heads. They had him program or tar- uh, program the target like right before the party. Yeah, and like you saw, he dropped the the jump drive and he like pulled another one out of his sock, and mm-hmm. so that was the one where he was just like, "I'll target everyone else or whatever, and not Bond." I don't know why. The- oh yeah, because the other guy was like. Literally just trying to kill everyone, Spectre. It's funny, like yes. how many times like I double crossed people like throughout the film. Like you never knew what his next move was gonna be or what side he was on at that moment. Like it was always switching back and forth. And I thought that was a really cool character. Um just like Valdo Obrochev. Yeah. Was his name. Yeah. Good stuff. Like I loved his character through and through and oh I loved how he died too. That was beautiful. <laughs> I don't have the words to explain <laughs> to you what this is. It is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Well and I I com I, I'm sure this was a reason throughout like the postponage and whatnot of just making people feel more relaxed and whatnot. But that if that would have came out what it was supposed to come out last March, right? Uh, last April. Last April. Imagine watching this film as coronavirus hit and like figuring out what it oh, was. God, and that would have been horrifying. The way we were all like, if you touch something, you're going to get infected. If you're near someone and they have it and you touch them, you're going to get infected. Like wash your hands, hand sanitizer, like every seal up, like bubble up. Like 
dude, watching this film during that time would have spiked our panic meter so high. Dude, it would have been so awesome. Holy <laughs> shit. It was, I have been like, yes, let the chaos reign more than it already has. It's, it would have just been like insane. And so like, yeah. I, I, I in total respect to them for like, you know, just being like, hey, you know what? Like I, I get the postponage now. You know what I mean? Like that was like more than factor. any other film. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's one of those things like that classic, you know, sci-fi kind of, you know, deadly uh virus type of gimmick and whatnot it it really would have been a bit overboard with that timing (laughs) so (laughs) i mean but a great concept though hercules like Mm -hmm. brilliant stuff how many yeah no it was they they did a really they did a really good job with it and then yeah as to what james said before you did get that middle gear solid four vibe yeah just like everyone's nanobots and like every single time what was it liquid snake would do something like they would just be like ah like everyone loses control of their bodies and shit or the fox die gets someone like it, it was very like you you well, were right thing, like fox, hideo kojima was probably like oh fuck this like, is great fox die was in like metal gear solid one and that was the whole idea was like a like a microbe that you could target to only infect or only kill certain people yeah and so it's just crazy that like shit like 20 years later the there's a james bond movie using that type of like plot point yeah yeah mm-hmm. and even like q's like yeah nanobots the wave of the future like there's no way of getting rid of them and whatnot and they still do that Metal Gear Solid 4 where it's like all soldiers now have nanobots in their bodies mm-hmm. and it's like horrifying when you see what could be done against them with it that's cool yeah but um just i guess quickly just to talk about locations how many locations did we have in this film we had like you know london itself we had italy we had cuba we had jamaica we had um was madeline in where was she where was her home did i ever say where her home was was it austria or was it somewhere else i can't remember i really can't recall yeah i don't know if they ever mentioned it but we assume that's yeah some random location and then the islands. So there's about like six different locations, I want to say, overall yeah. in this movie. But uh, was there any location that you guys loved especially, I guess? Or like I any arc really liked that was Cuba. your favorite? The Cuba scene was like oh, yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, really, Cuba was potentially really my cool. favorite. Yeah, definitely like visually like where I'm just like, oh, man, that'd be cool to check out. Like th- that was that was cool. Like I really dug that. Um, but also the the city in the beginning in the movie, I guess it was like somewhere in Italy. Just oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I liked that for whatever reason, I don't know if it was like a festival going on or whatever, but they were lighting fires all over the city. And I just thought that it looked really cool. Oh, and people yeah. were like burning their secrets, you know, wishes and secrets and, and stuff like that on pieces of paper. And there were just like little embers flying through the city. I thought it looked really cool. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely love that. Yeah. I think that first city was one of my favorites for sure i think the one that stood out to me the most not maybe not my favorite but the one that stood out to me was the whole like forest that jungle foggy terrain yes it felt so like off from a typical bond setting in general and it felt very jurassic parky you know like i just wanted a velociraptor to pop up at nowhere he was like hunting them yeah before before they enter the forest that area outside reminded me a bit of skyfall of like oh yeah that outside area too i can see that for sure definitely yeah. um 
And but, I, the island yeah. too, I thought was magnificent because it was very Doctor No. Like that, that, it was that. That was the whole thing. Everyone thought that uh, Safin was Doctor we No. We were speculating that, that on our first episode. We that was our first assumption. Like it's an incarnation of Doctor No somehow. And I I know the book and the movie are radically different. One's like about nuclear power, and I think the other one is about like, is it gold or is it like? a virus i don't remember i got to go back and look or listen to the episode again but i feel like even their motives were almost very similar to each other just not being a part of specter and in fact their enemy yeah 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 a lot of like really cool connections throughout i guess various bond books you know like really tying stuff together and you know i think that's something that it's kind of what the carnage movie did it it, it wasn't like a comic book adaptation it wasn't very comic booky um, in that sense, but they what they did is they pulled so much from so many different eras and they put it together in this film. And so you saw like like the references you know and love, and it was still its own thing. And that's what this Bond film kind of did. It pulled so many things from like the books, from various books, and put them in their own perspective and combined so much, it turned out to be this unique Bond film because you have so many things going on. And it was really good callbacks to a lot of that. Yeah, I'd say so for sure. And I guess that I guess. leads us into our villain yep. of the film. Yeah, because, oh man, I don't know. Uh, honestly, seeing him for the first time, I seeing the film for the first time, there's a lot to absorb. Like there's so much to absorb in this film while you're watching it. And, you know, Rami, how do you say his last name? Malik? Rami Malik. Malik, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of understood his motives at first, but it took me a minute to really like piece it together and be like, oh crap, now it all makes sense. But he was essentially part of the family that controlled the poison that Spectre would pull from, right? Like they were like farmers. Yeah, his father, them. yeah. And then Spectre killed them off and therefore he wanted revenge. Like pretty much very classic villain I'm seeking revenge and using my whole life to devoting to a type of, you know, a very kind of generic, but it was a cool way to connect him to Spectre and him starting off like being poisoned and having to go back and he's going to kill the family. Uh, he's going to kill the man's family that killed his family and, you know, hunting her down for years and leading the world to this. Like even those weird moments when you're watching a film and when him and Bond meet up, inside the palace and he's calling him out being like, it doesn't make sense. Like you're not giving anyone a chance. And that's the way we all kind of think as an audience and they're addressing stuff like that. And he's just like, I'm going to fuck like I kill you all <laughs> don't care anymore. You know? Um, I thought that was wonderful. I, I really dug his whole performance and it was very creepy, very bond in the sense of just having this man with power. That's crazy and doesn't even know it. And he thinks he's fighting for like a righteous good and just passionate and that's what he said he was passionate about it and you're just like damn this guy is this is up there this is the type of stuff that bond stops and it was a good send-off for him yeah. yeah i mean at the end of the movie he describes himself like he he tries to say you and i are the same mm -hmm. i'm just better at it well he, he uses tidier but he's crazy yeah it's uh i love seeing that similarity and it's not like it's it's contrast and it's it's an excellent way to use contrast of you know this guy went down this path and this guy went down that path like they had very similar beginnings they've had very similar 
relationships and they've you know like bond said they were losing right out of the gate um before it all started they had already lost and they have to you know fight through it and seeing the contrast of what one man can do versus another is that's what makes good films you know that's what makes good characters no matter what and this guy was just so oh man just weird like he terrifies you if you really just look back at the other villains of bond's face uh, so far i actually speaking of face as i miss say that word um all of the bond villains that he's faced so far have like some sort of face defect don't they bleeding eyes or uh no not all of them mr green in uh quantum didn't but yeah mads mickelson's uh character in um shit, what was his name uh shay shit he was, a, was a something former with agent a, right no oh yeah javier Bardem's character uh silva did oh, he okay. had like literally like he pulled out his fucking like part of his jaw came out practically of his mouth but yeah he uh specter did did uh blofeld didn't have anything before the bomb before no, uh madeline like missing an eye yeah yeah that <laughs> madeline threw the watch <laughs> yeah that was good but yeah most do most do though have some right. crazy defect and like his was the whole thing of like when he almost died as a kid the poison hit him and that's why his face is all fucked up like that probably also fucked with his head that's probably what made him like that is that what happened i thought he was like yeah. in fire or something no no yeah no it was the poison yeah and that's why he came to madeline's house when she was a child because one of the people that oversaw that was mr was uh was mr white the pale king and he, he came in that mask and because uh, yeah, also I wanted had to his, ask, like, was, face. was there any significance to that mask in the beginning of the movie? Because it seemed no. Oh, weird. Because it. I mean, it's like there's nothing. Random. It's not in. It's not in Doctor No or anything like that. It's not in a previous Bond film that I remember it being in. It was something new for it that did bring some form of, I guess, like not horror but thrillerish feeling, especially when he comes to the house and comes to hunt her, and. Once he, you know, he lets her live, brings in so many questions. And then when he finally comes to see her, you're just like, oh, shit. And he threatened, you know, that whole thing. He threatens Bond or threatens Bond's life. And that's why she has to go kill Blofeld. But she can't even follow through with it. Unfortunately, though, when, you know, Bond touches his wrist and you're like, ah, shit. Okay. But um, it was very interesting the way they did that, where he also, I guess, wanted her. Right. Technically, like he wanted to like in love with romantically get involved with her and also raise um do you remember what bond's daughter's name was it was so similar to her name that <laughs> i don't remember um they both start with a name i'm gonna tell you that right now matilda matilda there you go yeah it's like matilda with an e at the end oh matilda i see what you mean okay yeah yeah, there you yeah. Go. <clears throat> You or know, is it Matthew D? Yeah. It's it's kind of cool. I, I totally I kept on trying to remember who Mr. White was, and I just looked it up, and that just blew my mind. Um, and it, again, you know, th- these kind of films, like there's so many years apart, fifteen years, it's five films. You kind of forget some of the small details and everything. And if I bet if we watched them all back to back to back, it, they would just make so much sense and feel so complete. Yeah, which is what I did. And I watched. Very so I watched. Oh, yeah. No Time to Die I watched on Saturday. I started from Tuesday to Friday to watch Casino through Spectre one a day. And it felt like when I walked in and I was watching everything, I'm like, 
everything is all coming together. All the nice. pieces are aligned for this. It was it was superb, absolutely superb. They every single loose end is tied, and it's fantastic. That's too good. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this villain too, like a good one up and wrap up. And you know, I don't know what we need to say about Bond himself because we've said so much about him. But I really want to talk about like what you guys thought of his death what you guys thought of like his choices at the very end right there. And would you have wanted any better? Or do you think this was a hundred percent appropriate? James, you want to go first? Mm, I think it's about as appropriate of a send off as, as like you can give bond without like by killing him at least like they could have given him a happy ending or whatever, but like, I feel like that would be a little bit too sappy for this particular series. Cause like, like we've been talking about the Craig movies have been a bit more realistic and like heavier in emotion. So giving him like a happy ending would have been nice, but I feel like this fits better with the tone of the entire series. Um, And yeah, it was just, you know, the whole idea that the, as a, kind of last last fuck you the the main villain uh infected bond with that like version of heracles that would only target like literally madeline yeah like the woman he loves and his daughter so she has the same dna so he could never see them again he could never like touch them he could you know and that's almost worse than anything so and he was like pretty fucked up at the end he was shot like a bunch of times so like i feel it's a nice send-off that he used the last strength he had left to like go back reopen the uh, the blast doors and like ensure that he literally saves the world yeah one more time and make sure that you know the woman he loves and his daughter are safe at least for now so I, I thought it was a, a well done ending. I'll say quickly, there is a big difference between Spectre and Safin. Like Spectre wants oversight. They want what's like the business side of things where they're like, yeah, we'll just do this shit. Safin's like, I want to kill everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's 100%. actually like Spectre never necessarily wanted to. They didn't want to end the world. Want they wanted to prosper off of it and control. Yeah. He wants to fucking end things, like, insanely. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, for Bond and, like, watching this and kind of watching the end of Spectre, you kind of get that happy ending out of Spectre. And then this movie comes in and just kind of, you're happy, and then all of a sudden someone stabs you in your ribs and goes, Saka, gotcha! And you're like, oh, fuck! (laughs) I didn't think this was going to happen. And, yeah, you get that five-year gap and all this stuff, but it's, it's so crazy when the minute you see like i knew at least in the beginning i'm like okay what are they gonna do with madeline how is this gonna work is she actually gonna somehow betray him is she gonna die and then once they show us matilde i really hope i'm saying saying the name correctly you see her and you see the blue eyes and bond's like oh is she mine and she's like no and i've seen that trope before where it's like the it's not yours and at the end it's like it's your you know that the kid's yours and stuff i knew already i'm like that it's definitely his oh yeah 100 percent. but the minute I saw her, I was just like, oh, no. Like, I got excited because I'm like, oh, cool, there's this kid. And I know for a fact they're not going to kill the girl. She's going to survive no matter what. But then it hit me, and I'm like... And then they played the, they played the On Her Majesty's Secret Service music. And once they played that, that portion of knowing Tracy dies at the end, 
thinking, oh, fuck, one of them is going to die. I don't know which one. Now I'm thinking it might be Madeline because it could end. I was then imagining in my head it's going to end with Bond walking off with Matilde and being a single father. And that's how he retires because he's forced to now. He's not going to come back. He has a daughter exactly. to raise. And they like that. Like I said, all those different callbacks. And then once we get to that point and you do see him get the stabbed in it, you're like, oh, fuck, you know, it's going to happen. It's pretty much locked in, even when, like, he's talking to him. And I'm just, like, in my head, I'm like, I already knew, but I'm just like, fuck, does, does it have to? Does it have to? Man, just, like, after all this tragedy, you can't give one little happy thing. Like, I did want it to be happy. I, I would love that sappiness instead, personally. But mm. I understood it and understood why they'd need to do that and how it's a really good send-off and everything else. But that's just because I don't know what the term is it's not a romantic but it's like you just want to see that happy ending for someone i guess um even if it doesn't match maybe the tone or something like that but the scene that got me that i knew i'm like this is like a crazy spiritual successor to her, on her majesty's secret service was when they're talking on the they're using the walkie-talkie and she's like what am i gonna do like you're i don't want to lose you and like my like we we should we, we i wish we had more time and bond says what he says in on, on her majesty's when tracy dies you have all the time in the world oh and gosh. in on her majesty's when tracy's killed someone pulls over and goes are you guys okay and bond doesn't say that she's dead he's just like yeah we have all the time in the world together or we have all the time in the world he says we and in this one he says you Mm. and it's such I think a that's right out of the book too i think that was one of the things i caught that was in there yeah so when he said that it that was the heart wrencher i was like fuck dude you could like i couldn't get the happy ending on her majesty's and now i can't get it in this one either decades later they pull it again but they do the reverse and just fucking blow it out of the park with it though at the same time and then blow up the fucking island also when you see everything go up and you're like it was what I, I for a second was like, oh, maybe they'll do that thing where you see him in the distance somewhere in yeah. some other place. And then you just see the fucking flames. And I'm like, never mind. Yeah, Forget I, I said so anything. Too. I was like, oh, well, maybe he'll just like they'll show the explosion from a distance and he'll somehow miraculously get like blown into the water and he'll be fine. But like, no, 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 no. He's gone. <laughs> There's He's no fucking way. dead. Yeah. And you get that very melancholy, bittersweet mi6 like raise a glass to bond yeah in that set it was like a sad dusk full room and you know the world they had the, like the country doing for him the world doesn't know about him the country doesn't know about him whereas like you know when m dies or the bombings happen in skyfall you feel that like there's some form of like the city's kind of like oh shit you see the flags up in the air and stuff this one it's just like no one knows no one had any idea what just happened besides russians and japanese were like why are you in our island but <laughs> like yeah, and then you get that last scene with Madeline and Mathilde, and she's like, let me tell you a story of James Bond driving the classic car, mm. and it's, oh my god, it's so good, but it's so sad. It's so good. Yeah. And see, that, that scene, too, was another callback to Her Majesty's, I feel, but like in a different a different version. You made me feel like I underappreciated that book so much. I feel like I need to go and reread it. And just they were. Like, it was the same cliffside-type drive. Yeah. They do the cliffside drive in that movie, too. Yeah, it's it's so... You're right. I think I feel like I need to reread that book to really like reappreciate like what was going on in it. Because you're right, there were so many references inside of this film, and that's always been the standout one um, in general. 
I, you know, I, I really do. There's nothing you guys said that I, I didn't agree with or couldn't say better, but I, I do think this was like perfect to end this saga. I've said it a thousand times this episode. And it's one of those things where they didn't take the Nolan route where Batman flew off and took the bomb and he escaped last second when it seemed <laughs> like it wouldn't like you, you would assume that Bond's body would be floating somewhere. But the fact that they, infected him shot him up he can't touch the girl that he loves the daughter that he has he can't start his life over there's no more escaping to the island and that's what you expect him to be back on jamaica with like everybody all happy you know raising a drink and whatnot but they didn't give us a happy ending and it was really for me like what hit me the most in the theater and what made me like cry like my eyes what t'challa Man, if you listen to this recording and turn that part up, just listen to the cello whine in the background. Yeah, um, that my noise reduction will take all of all of that meowing out. We'll see. Um, but the fact that they just had it where it was like, uh, this was the first time we saw this character die. Like this is this yeah. is your yeah. you know seeing Superman or Batman die in front of your eyes for the first time, like hurts you know, and seeing somebody that's been invincible for 60 years for as long as he has and he finally got like a death like a proper send-off like there was no coming back from this yeah it's actually kind of funny because like so many times in this movie he was getting shot at by like dozens of dudes and they're all missing and he's like barely even trying to like hide from their uh, like gunfire that i was just like how is this guy not dead yet yeah no well they got me at the end yeah they just and they just put that you know, that final moment was just like, hey, if we're going to take out James Bond, if we're going to kill this man, we're going to make sure it's under the most extreme circumstances. Literally with a bang. We're going to poison you. We're going to leave you trapped on an island. You can't touch anyone you love. We're going to shoot you up. And now we have missiles flying right over to, like, just demolish this entire area. Like, there was – he was against the world, against everything, you know? And he still came out on top. Like, he still yeah. won. He's Like you said, he saved the day. He saved the world one last time. He still succeeded in his mission. He still saved the people he needed to. And in that sense, it's a great happy ending. But, like, this guy sacrificed every single piece of his heart and soul to do this mission. And he fucking did it. And yeah. right in front of us, like, you, you don't expect it. It's It's you never expect a bond to die. You know, you never expect that to happen. And that's what made it hurt that much more was that they didn't, you know, have them back in the room with them 16 being like, that was a close one. And like <laughs> shooting down some scotch or something good. End it. Thank you. Like give Daniel, you know, I applaud his performance as bond. And I'm curious what the franchise is going to have for us next. Um, we'll have, we're going to have a discussion on that probably predictions for the future and whatnot at some point or at least mentioned Eventually. in other episodes or something. But yeah, it's one of those things. Like, I think we, because didn't we talk about it? Like when we do the future Bond movie, Bond movie episodes, uh, we could definitely do little new segments if there's something new on the upcoming, yeah. like next Bond. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, I will say too, it was crazy seeing him die, not only as like 007 MI6 agent on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but also almost a husband and pretty much a full father he dies with a stuffed animal yeah tied into his belt yes. and his like the, the, his straps and stuff yeah. which was so 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking, yeah. It just ripped so your heart out, man. Like, yeah. oof. Yeah, no. I mean, I was texting my friend Eric today, and he's like, dude, I'm still sad from that movie. And that's a powerful impact, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I see why it's not some people's taste, but you know what? Like, you know, it just it happened more the generation that it was meant for, I guess. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess one last question for everyone before we close out, but how much time does everyone need? before we get another bond before we get bond number seven. Oh fuck seven oh, 007 oh. bond literally seventh Ooh. bond damn yeah. uh, uh at least a few years yeah i'd say anything past three wouldn't be bad i personally need five i would say yeah i would say five, is five would be years. reasonable i think too yeah, yeah. We, we need some time to grieve personally five years five films give me five years for all five like yeah. one At year for every as movie. much as iron man <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i care more about james bond than iron man, no that's what honest. i'm saying is like yeah. iron man he's great but he's no james bond yeah yeah no so definitely not yeah no i i agree i think they need to like reformat some stuff rethink some things honestly personally really fast before we sign off and we don't have a discussion about it i just want to state you know if they did a series i think it'd make more sense and put like two books per season and really base it off of that i could see and that it would still be a unique bond because they've never gone dead to the books before it'd yeah. still be very fresh to the majority of audiences and you do three episodes or whatever six episodes a book you know that's you just blast through them you know do that for the next 10 years or something and that way you could get like 10 12 seasons and one bond and just okay out of the park but one the only day. issue is, yeah, because the, the, you know, the creative team, or at least the ones that own, like, I guess the franchise itself uh, have said that they won't ever, like, it's meant for to be film. Uh, the interesting thing is, you know, MGM was bought by Amazon. Now Amazon has it. And it would be, it would kind of make sense if they, they wanted to do a series with it. But also we have, like, the Jack Ryan series, which kind of scratches that itch a bit exactly, at yeah. the same time. So it's hard to say where it would come. And, and that's what I was thinking too is, of when I had that idea was, I was like, they did it with Jack Ryan. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, who knows what will happen and how long it'll be till it happens. If they will need someone eventually just to use, use Richard Madden, use Rob Stark. That makes the most sense. <laughs> like he's li- oh, literally perfect for that'd it. Be dope, but, actually. Yeah. But in five years, do it in five years. Uh, but yeah. I think uh, anything else before we uh, close out here? Any last words? Well, I mean, I know we typically talk about behind the scenes and shooting. Oh, right. and oh, actually, the song. We didn't talk about the song. I have nothing to say about the song, although like, I, I can't stand Billie Eilish. I can't fucking stand that girl. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed the hell out of the song, and I was going to wait use that moment to go pee. But I was really <laughs> actually captivated, and I love the whole scene. It was a good song, yeah. So, yeah, I actually I thought it was great. I'm um, not going to lie. So that's all I got to say about it, though. I liked it. I honestly, I don't think I've actually listened to any of her other songs, so I don't know anything about her music. But just yeah, I really love the song. I've heard bits of "Bad Guy." I've oh okay. <laughs> working at I don't, yeah, I, I know nothing about her. Working so I'm not at even retail sure. when she came out was that's all you heard. So mm, can't say this I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, okay. I, I was impressed, and it fit the format, and I love the whole segment that went on with that. It felt like a polar, it felt like the dark half to writing on the wall from Sam Smith, where Sam Smith is like, yo, this is the buildup of everything else, and here's me letting you in, and this is the song that goes, that was a mistake, Mm. I'm never doing that again, Mm -hmm. how could I have done that? 
So and you know maybe we'll do another episode in the future and recap this movie and talk more about the specs behind the scenes stuff. But this is just very raw and instant reactions to the release and the wants for it. So you know who knows if you'll hear about it again, but. We'd... We could definitely add that. I think that would be a good closing because Spectre will technically be our final yeah, exactly. Bond movie to talk about. So we could definitely throw it on there yeah. and just do a, uh, almost like a how many years has it been since we watched and talked about this movie? It'll probably be like two three, or three. Yeah. Uh, and then we could be like, how do we feel about it now and stuff? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But uh, good stuff. And this was a great bonus episode for this month. Uh, next week. You're going to get, we're back to spooky season. And yeah, yeah, we're spook, here spooky for. back. Uh, I've been doing my Dracula research, been watching a lot of Dracula stuff, so I can't wait to see some comparisons. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I guess minor spoilers. I'm starting to watch Midnight Mass. Ooh. It's is like, that, <laughs> I'm liking it, but it's uh, one thing my brother has been telling me is that it is not a subtle show. So there, like, there was a moment where I was like, are they going with a vampire in this? And he's like, yeah, no, it's oh, not subtle. Really? <laughs> oh, so should I watch that? It's so pretty good. I'm liking it so far. Okay. Very yeah. heavily on the religious stuff, though. Oh, oh my. Oh, yeah. yeah. I heard Greg Miller was like, I I, I bought a Quran, a Quran to read it. it yeah, like, there's the definitely a scene where Rahul Kohli uh, explains, like, uh, like, what Muslims think in terms of, like, jesus and how the bible works and all that stuff and it's mm. like it is interesting where he's like no we we accept that all that shit happened we just think that we have the final version of, of like the holy words of god and it is gotcha. interesting and it makes you like kind of want to see like oh well okay well let's see what their version is oh this is cool you know i'm gonna try to check this out thank you for bringing this up james i had no idea about this and that's what he said i was just like i don't know what that but yeah, yeah. looking into this cool cool i gotta check this out um yeah i've been but doing the, a lot of the, the Dracula- movie we're doing next yeah. is universal dracula yes Ooh. the original 1930s movie a classic. and if you guys haven't checked it out yet check out nosferatu which we did uh, earlier this month yes but uh next month i guess we should say it now because we were just doing bond but november is our third we, we we do bond month february june and november for until we run out of movies yeah. but November, we're getting into Brosnan and Craig. Yes. So back to Daniel Craig again. Yeah. Uh, but we're doing Goldeneye and we're doing Casino Royales, Royales because we're doing the original mm-hmm. Casino Royale, Which the black I've, and white I've one. I've never seen either. I've never yeah. seen it either. And then, of course, the current 2006 Casino Royale. So that'll be really fun. Yeah, there's a but, bunch of hidden trivia we're going to go through for that original one. That cast is insane. So I can't wait to dive into that. Um, and Christina Royale is back to my roots. I'm going to be really excited to revisit that. Yeah, another book, right? Is, that was the first book? First right? book. It was the first Bond oh, yeah, book so I have. Cool. It actually doesn't match the rest of my collection because I bought it so long ago. And um, it's been years since I've read it. And my fiance knows a bit of French now. So I'm going to have her translate some of it because there's a lot of French in that book, actually. Um, but very to the T from to to the movie, honestly, and that's what sold me about it. Maybe that was another connection I had was Casino Royale is Casino Royale. So I can't wait to revisit both and I'm gonna finish this fucking Dracula book. I'm gonna rant about that next episode. So. <laughs> Jesus oh, are you actually reading Ram Circus Dracula? Yeah. The book is dry. You got until like Sunday. Uh, Good luck. <laughs> yeah, talk about sucking your life away. <laughs> Gosh, oh my God. dude. I'm I'm on page like two twenty out of whatever 360 i have a i have it's less a than, long book it's it long goes on. and like 
over half like half of it's about Lisa and her transformation mm-hmm. whatever like yeah. uh, it goes on for a while <sighs> so long yeah it's been rough so hopefully I finished it by then I never take this long with books you know like I blast through stuff but man this is taking some effort so yeah we'll talk about yeah. that more next week and James <laughs> dude thanks for coming on the show and I'm yeah, so happy fun. you got to be thanks here we gotta have you on more often and yeah just super I should be on more often. I mean, like, I love watching movies. So, like, if I, Wait. like, I should just, like, ask Kamran for a schedule of, like, what you guys are planning on watching so I could, like, looking to see which ones I actually would like to join on. Yeah. No. You said you like Sean Connery, right? Oh, absolutely. We're, if I remember correctly, we're going to do From Russia with Love for New Year's. So, Ooh, I'd be down for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But with that said, James, where can people find you? My Twitter handle is pretty much the same thing as everything else. PlayStation, Xbox Live, Facebook, whatever. Uh, that would be at InvaderJim124. Cool. And Brandon, where can people find you and your Apollo goodness? Check out Apollo City Comics on all podcast platforms, on YouTube, and also check out um, our Instagram page where we have a bunch of announcements, some cool stuff going on with Lesser Known Comics, uh, and then codes for discounts for coffee and a comic and we have some exciting stuff for our third year anniversary and our 100th episode coming up at the end of this month so we're really excited for that um but check out apollo city comics everywhere cool and of course you know james and i are on sutra side talk where we talk stuff weekly uh we recently did everything from loki venom uh shang chi uh a bunch of other black widow and everything else so there's we've been doing a lot of marvel talk and just did jedi fallen order and metroid dread uh so check those out and the cut of steel i think i don't know if any everyone here will be on it but we're gonna do an episode just talking all about dc fandom and jumping in on that so we'll talk all about the movies games tv shows everything uh so check that out soon that'll hopefully be out this friday uh two days after this episode comes out yeah. and then cut us uh up to it down to it we're gonna do a spooky episode so we'll see what the topic is for that but i'm thinking something imagine uh, involving youthful scares hmm. and that's all i'll say for now but that has been sutra sad watch we'll catch you guys later later <laughs>